Make sure you're subscribed to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Type The Word of the Lord Endures Forever in your podcast provider. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. As always, when one of God's holy angels shows himself, the response is not, oh, this is so cool, I've always wanted to see a real-life angel in action. No, it's always terror. They have about them that odor of pure holiness in which they have delighted from their creation and in which it is their joy to serve. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Acts. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. In our previous study, we heard about a wonderful woman named Dorcas, or Tabitha, a woman as watchful and swift to do good works and alms as the gazelle she was named for is watchful and swift to escape from danger. Dorcas apparently fell ill suddenly, and to the shock and dismay of the local congregation, she died. They treat her body with the utmost respect, washing it, laying it out in the upper room of her house, suggesting that she was a person of some means. But when the word reaches the church that Peter is not far away, only down in Lydda, immediately they send two men to fetch him and bring him down to them. Peter doesn't hesitate. He goes with the men, and when he arrives, is shown into the upper room, where any number of widows is gathered, with Storcus herself a widow maybe, weeping and showing Peter the clothes that she used to make when she lived among them. We take clothes so much for granted with our machinery making them, but remember how precious they used to be, how much time was involved in making them in the ancient world. Apparently, Dorcas, as part of her charity, gave away these costly gifts to the poor and needy. Peter puts the crowds out, kneels down and prays. Then he calls the dead woman to rise. She opens her eyes, sees him, sits up. He helps her up with his hand. He calls downstairs, and the people crowd in the room, astounded, amazed, glorifying the Lord Jesus. This mighty miracle soon spreads like wildfire through the surrounding region, and even more folks turn to the Lord in faith. A reading from Acts, the 10th chapter, beginning at verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius! And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, 
he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Acts 10, verses 1 through 8. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort from your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you've given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Ready to ponder today's passage? Let's dig into it. Verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. Well, the last mention we had of Caesarea was of Philip going there, Acts 8.40, and apparently staying there, as we'll see in Acts 21, verse 8. But God does not choose to use Philip for what's about to take place. Rather, as Peter would later confess in Acts 15, 7, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And Peter, at this juncture, is only about 30 miles south of Caesarea in the town of Joppa. Cornelius was probably attached to the Cohors Secundum Civium Romanorum. It was garrisoned at Caesarea, consisted of some 600 men, 100 of whom would be under Cornelius' direct command. My wife's grandfather was named Cornelius. It was a common name in the Roman Empire, and particularly because in ADBC, Lucius Cornelius Sulla freed 10,000 slaves, very many of whom took his name. Verse 2. A devout man who feared God with all his household gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. So, while the name Cornelius was indeed quite ordinary at the time, this man was no ordinary Roman centurion. He's described as being a devout God-fearer. That is, he was one who had come to believe in the God of Israel. He was not yet a full proselyte, for he had not accepted circumcision. But he, no doubt, attended one of the local synagogues that operated in Greek, listening to the scriptures read and expounded upon, and he devoted himself to God in prayer and to his neighbor in charitable almsgiving. And his devotion had had an effect on his whole household. They, too, came to share the centurion's convictions about the God of Israel. That Cornelius prayed continually means, most likely, that he observed faithfully the set times of daily prayer. Think of Daniel in Daniel 6, verse 10. And that from that framework of prayer, he learned to live his life with the awareness that he was never out of God's presence. Everywhere he turned, he found God and conversed with him. Verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. If you recall back to chapter 3, verse 1, this was the time in the temple when the daily evening prayers were begun, what we would call in our day vespers or evening prayer, or as the Anglicans call it, evensong. So even though he's in Caesarea and miles and miles away from Jerusalem, his prayer times mirror what he knows is happening in the temple. This would be the time that Psalm 141 would be sung as the incense was burned. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So as Cornelius prays, 
There before him, plain as day, stands an angel of God speaking to him and calling him even by name. Verse 4. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. As always, when one of God's holy angels shows himself, the response is not, Oh, this is so cool. I've always wanted to see a real live angel in action. No, it's always terror. They have about them that odor of pure holiness in which they have delighted from their creation and in which it is their joy to serve. So, quite terrified, the mighty Roman centurion asks, What is it, Lord? That is, what do you want? He humbles himself before the angel and basically indicates that he is awaiting instructions and he will receive some. But first, the angel lets Cornelius know that his prayers and his alms have indeed just as he probably prayed in Psalm 141, ascended as a pleasing aroma, a memorial offering before the throne of God in heaven. God had seen this man, received his prayers with joy, and delighted in the way he reached out in love to serve the poor with his charitable giving. Martin Luther, the greatest of the 16th century reformers of Christ's church, wrote in the small called articles these words, Cornelius, living among the Jews, had heard long before about the coming Messiah, through whom he was righteous before God. In such faith, his prayers and alms were accepted to God, since Luke calls him devout and God-fearing. Without the word coming first and without hearing it, he could not have believed or been righteous. St. Peter, though, had to reveal to him that the Messiah in whom he had previously believed as one who would come in the future now had come lest his faith in the coming Messiah hold him captive among the Jewish people who were hardened and unbelieving. He must now know that he is saved by the present Messiah and must not with the Jewish people deny or persecute him. So Luther's point here is that we mustn't think that it was merely Cornelius's prayer and life of charity that made him acceptable to God. Rather, it was his faith in the promises he had learned from the word read aloud in the synagogue. And it was that faith that was active then in prayer to God and in charity toward his neighbor. Now that faith needs a more sure and certain object, the Messiah who has already come, and to fill in the deficiencies in his understanding. The angel instructs Cornelius, verse 5, And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. The angel tells him to send to Joppa fetch Peter, bringing him up to Caesarea. That's the who. But the angel also gives him a more precise where. Verse 6. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. So, when the messengers arrive at Joppa, all they would need to do is inquire for the tanner's house by the sea. The residents would know just where to send them. Verse 7. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, He called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, verse 8, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. We had already learned that the man had shared his faith with his household, and through his witness and prayers, they had all been brought to the same faith. So now he calls in two of his domestics and one soldier, probably to guard and protect his domestics on this journey, and he tells them everything that he just saw and heard, 
and he sends them out to Joppa to fulfill the angel's instructions to find this Simon Peter and ask him to come back with them to their master. That's where we're going to call it quits for today. Next, we'll learn that just as these men were completing their journey and finally approaching Joppa, Peter goes up on the rooftop to pray. It's about noon, the middle of the three times that devout Jews would offer their prayers. Remember Psalm 55, verse 17, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. But as Peter is praying, he suddenly became hungry and he wants to eat. While the people in the house began preparing something for him, Peter fell into a trance and he saw a vision a huge sheet dropping down from the sky, let down on its four corners to the earth. And what did the sheet hold? All kinds of animals, reptiles, birds, all kinds. Think piggy, think shrimp and lobster, think snake. And a voice tells Peter, rise, kill and eat. He's horrified by the mere suggestion. There's all kind of unkosher food in that thing. He's not squeamish about killing in order to eat. He's squeamish about eating some of those things. He tells the voice, no way. I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And the voice comes right back with, don't you call common what God has made clean. The whole thing repeats itself not once or twice, but three times. And then the sheep was withdrawn into heaven. Till next time then, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.